Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. Robbie, big, big week. We don't have Raf in the studio today, unfortunately. Yep. But how was your week? No, my week was great, mate. I went out to Gove, um, worked there with my brother. Did three good days there, so it was really good. How was your weekend? Uh, weekend, weekend, mate. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Dealing with a bunch of year threes at the moment, but they're behaving well for Mr. Clark. What's it like working <laughs> with your brother? Oh, it's all right. He gets on my nerves sometimes, but, um, you know, I make do. <laughs> who, who works harder in the office? I think he probably might oh, do, but I think I'm more better in the engagement side of things, talking to people. But, yeah, it's a, we balance out pretty well with each other. A big, big show coming up. Plenty of Territory footy to chat about. A couple of big guests lined up today. Sean Wilson coming yeah. in for a chat. What do you know about the what about Willow? Give us a little preview about what we can we expect for Willow. Yeah, well, Shawnee Willow's playing his 200th in about four or five weeks. He obviously was a, bit, a TikTok sensation uh, last season as well. Slightly controversial that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about in that. that. He's obviously living at my place now. We, we rent a joint together. So, yeah, he's a very mysterious man. Oh, Shawnee Willow. <laughs> very looking forward to hearing that chat later in the show. Yeah, yeah. But... Oh, look, I'm a bit biased here, but the bloke I'm looking forward to having a chat to is Tommy Bulch, the prime train. Yeah. He is making some absolute waves in the NTFL, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's creeping in in the top 10. Um, obviously, need three games to get in there now, but so he's only played the two, but he was really good on the weekend, and Cammy Stokes have him best on, so that's a good sign. Look, we've spoken during the week about coming up with certain lists. We've spoken about, like, mm. best nicknames and best names in general. Um, and we'll come up with a bunch of lists. But I tell you what, Tommy Bolch is such a personality. I reckon there's about five or six different lists yeah. that he'll pop up in nicknames and best hairdo, interesting personalities. He's, he's really added a lot to the game up here, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I like what he does. I went on his social media and had a look and, you know, sharing his own content and love heart and, it, and love yeah. under his own comments and <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. is really good. He's not a shy bloke. But I tell you what, like, <laughs> There's two different types of people. There's guys that sort of like tall poppy syndrome type stuff. Look at mm. that and say, oh, he's a big noter, attention seeker, uh, Mr. TikTok and all that stuff. Yeah. I reckon it's just a bit of a laugh. He adds, yeah. adds a bit of spice to the game no, up he definitely here. Does. It's awesome. Hey, Rob, your SEN, our SEN top 10 is back. And there's been about five changes this week. There's been a change from number... Uh, number one, we've got a new number one in and yep. a lot of new additions, so looking yeah. forward to delving into that. Very cutthroat, isn't it, Clark? You were ruthless on here. Um, so, yeah, five changes straight off the bat. So, some bi I think we missed out on a big few prime ma uh, names, didn't we, at the start of the year? Um, and now a few of those names have creeped back in. Plus, we do have to talk as well when we go through the list about some of the criteria involved, as in, like, mm. Matt Dennis drops out, for example, a bit of a spoiler alert, but Matt Dennis drops out, and it's got nothing to do with his form. He simply now has only played two games, so he's ineligible. Yep. But we are doing your power rankings, too, I hear. That's a new concept. You will rate the clubs on, I believe, their form and potential. Describe the concept of your power rankings. The power rankings is sort of, you know, it adds in a bit of history of the clubs, adds in who they've played, how they've won. Um, so there's a bit of footy mass in there, which is not always not how it works. Nah. But I think I've put my ladder predictor in like as best as I can and got to factor in some sides. I've had easier draws than others. So, you know, and so there's some big surprises in it, I feel, still. Just a quick one. You said factor in like the history of the clubs. Does mm. that mean... 
St. Mary's have a winning culture, so you will expect them to bounce back, or, or you've been a bit criticism about Buffaloes and think they can't sustain their forms. Is, is that what you're yeah. sort of talking about or alluding yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah. like, I don't, you know, like you've had Saints, I think you had Saints in your top five. I don't have them in mine. No, so, no. And we, we probably both had them in our top two at the start of the year. A couple I had of weeks them, yeah. Ago. I had them losing one game. So <laughs> I've already uh, missed out on that one, haven't I? So that was a great prediction. Hey, Rob, straight off the top, we are going to get into a new segment. Something I'm looking forward to. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So we'll go Mm. one by one. We'll start with The Good For You. Oh, the good for me is how even the competition is now. Two weeks ago, Tavis Perry said it's going to be a very even competition, and I just wasn't sure if it was going to be. I didn't agree with him. But, yep, it's bloody, yeah, it's really good, like how even the comp is now. It's very unpredictable. I agree. So this might... Stretch over a couple of minutes, our good, bad, and ugly, because I know your ugly in particular is a bit of a discussion point that we can delve into. Yep. But I'll go with my good, and that is Kieran Parnell's tagging job on Stephen Motlop. We don't mm-hmm. see tagging happen too often in the NTFL. It's almost like the NABLE where there's that unwritten rule on, for some reason, hey, let's not let's not tag people. It's, mm-hmm. it's not very friendly. Let's just play yeah. football. Uh, but it was really good on the weekend, Kieran Parnell. I think it was uh, the worst-kept secret in town that Parnell was probably going to go to Motlop. Mm-hmm. He eventually did that and restricted him to 15 touches. So that is my good. Rob, you're bad. Oh, my bad was St. Mary's. Um, there was a game there for them to wa- uh, win. Wanderers was sort of undermanned as well, so they can't go in with the undermanned excuse. And they just really looked... The ball delivery in the quarter was really, you know, poor. And, they, yeah, they just looked a shadow of, them for, of the former selves. They've named a strong side this week, though. So my bad was St. Mary's coming from... Obviously, the, you do put St. Mary's up in high, you know, high, you know, accolades and that you hold them on a pedestal. Yeah, you hold them on a pedestal. So then they just come off a grand final win, so... It is surprising, their form. Yeah, and I think the viewers need to understand, our listeners, sorry, that we will be naturally a little bit harsher on St. Mary's given how successful that club has been over so many years. So, yeah, slow start to the Saints. Uh, one and three, I believe. And yeah. they yeah need to get moving because a tough draw coming up as well. Yeah. My bad is Palmerston started the game against Waratah. There's no doubt mm. that the Magpies have started the season on the right track and they finished the game great. But a slow start cost them the win on the weekend, I think. Had they had just been within striking distance and within a couple of goals at half time, they would have had enough momentum to come over the top. They are fast finishers, we saw against Pint. Uh, but mm. again, they left it too late there because the game was abandoned because of the lightning weather. So Pint, uh, sorry, Palmerston would be kicking themselves there for only taking the two points after finishing so strong. And I think a similar result last Saturday night where they got to within, I think, two goals. I think they only lost by 13 yeah. points in the end. So it was a very close game. But they were never really in it just because of such their poor... Poor start. So, uh, look, yeah, they- we have to go to a quick break because we have my favourite guest I think nearly we've had on this show of all time. Tommy Prime Train Bolch is just upon us. So, SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Tommy Bolch, do we have you, mate? G'day, Jacko. How are you, brother? <laughs> Not too bad. I was wondering about the energy levels. How are they this morning? <laughs> oh, mate, they're great. They're great. Uh, it's a little bit rainy and wet here in Melbourne, but it's all right. I don't let the uh, don't let the weather determine uh, my mood at all. Mate, you're from southeast Queensland. Get used to that rainy and wet weather. It's like that every day in Melbourne. <laughs> I know. I know. It's uh, yeah, four seasons in one day down here. I've been down here for. For three weeks, and it's been uh, yeah, it's been an interesting little time down here. 
Tommy, it's your second season now for the Darwin Buffaloes. How are you finding top-end footy? Mate, I absolutely love it, man. It's uh, it's the most enjoyable footy I've played. It's, the culture is incredible, you know, like after the game, everyone gets around each other, whether it's your team, the opposition. It's um, bloody hot, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love the Buffaloes so much. What's it like playing for the Buffaloes? You said that it's very different, but the Buffaloes itself are very different from other clubs in the NTFL. We have no club rooms. It's a very local sort of vibe about it. So tell us about your experience with the Darwin Buffaloes in comparison to some of the other clubs you've played at. Yeah, well, I think that the Buffaloes is, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of like, it's a bit of a memory of what I, what I was used to. So I grew up playing a lot of country footy and it's kind of like that real country feel. It's like, Everyone gets around everyone. It's a real family club. Um, it's, it's, you're very loyal to the club, I think. And it, it's hard to describe, but I've never played any uh, played with any team quite like it. it. It's unbelievable. Hey, Tommy, it's Robbie Hale here, mate. I was there to commentate your game on the weekend, and the prime started in good form, <laughs> kicking two sausage rolls and getting your hands on it, running up and down the ground. Do you think top-end style of footy suits your game as a hard-running player? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, uh, it's something that I talk about a lot with my friends and stuff. They're like, you know, do you, they're like, oh, I want to go up and play in the NTFL. And I go, it's a, it's a completely different game up there. It's a lot more um, running based. Like if you're a smaller, um, fitter player, then you're really going to start to shine in, in that type of footy. It's very different to playing, you know, VFL or, or playing down in Victoria mm. where it might be a little bit uh, harder, contested, bigger bodies and, and I think sometimes those bigger bodies struggle a little bit in the NTFL because they're, they're absolutely gassed by, by quarter time or half time and they don't quite um, understand that it's such a different game style up there. So once you adapt, like even last year, I probably wasn't quite fully adapted to, to the game style, but this year I just feel a lot more comfortable kind of, I guess it's just knowing what, what's going to be thrown at you each week. Yeah. What's the plan for this season, Tommy? How many games are you intending to play? I honestly, um, it's, it's one of those things at the start of the year where you're like, oh, I'll go up, play, you know, four or five. And then as soon as I start, start playing, it's like, oh, I just want to play every single game. Um, so as many games as I can, we've got the bye this weekend, which is nice. Um, so uh, I will get a little bit of a rest. It is, it is difficult playing footy year round. But, uh, mate, I, I, I do everything. I try to do everything right by my body and try to get as much recovery, get good nutrition, good sleep, all that sort of stuff. So uh, hopefully that does allow me to play uh, as many games as possible. Hey, how did you arrive at the Buffaloes? Good question. It was, it was actually through a good mate of mine, Tyrone Bean. Uh, shout out to him. He, he, we play a little bit of footy together um, in Queensland, and he said, mate, uh, do you want to come up and play some NTFL? And I said, uh, mate, absolutely. It was something that I was kind of uh, really keen on doing, and when the opportunity arose, I just jumped jumped out of straight away. Cam Stokes gave me a call on like a Thursday. Said, "Do you want to come up and play Saturday?" And it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, but I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So shout out to Beanie for that, and yeah, never looked back since. Prime for the listeners at home. Um, how does the schedule look when you do fly in from uh, Melbourne? What's the sort of timeline yeah, that you? Yeah, what sort usually, of time usually fly in on a Friday, and then it depends when you play, obviously. So it might be a Saturday game, a Sunday game. Uh, but if you're flying in on a, uh, if you're playing on a Saturday, sorry, then you usually fly in on a on a Friday, um, and then generally fly out that Saturday night. It might be an overnight flight, 
um, which I try and avoid. I always say, Stokes, you don't book me on that one, mate. Um, but sometimes <laughs> he does anyway. Um, so, oh, it doesn't really matter to me, you know, like get a bit of sleep and um, and it's not the greatest recovery, but it's fine. Uh, and if you can, try and fly out on the Sunday um, during the day, which is the, the, the flight you want. But you got to remember that these clubs are, uh, you know, there's financial pressure, there's mm. all these type of things that, that might be involved. So, the, the last thing you want to be is selfish when when coming to flights. It's just, mate, whatever you can put me on, um, then, then I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. What were you, and also, what were your thoughts on the last week's game being called off? Like, I heard you say as well, you know, like, what was your predictions how it would have ended? Would you, do you reckon you would have got the chockies, as you say? <laughs> it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing with footy to say, because uh, the Crocodiles are, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest teams of the cops, so... Um, I think we we're all pleasantly surprised with, with how well we played. Uh, it was probably one of the, the best teams that we put out on the park. So, uh, like I said, very pleasantly surprised with how how, how well we played. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think that if we kept up that pressure and kept up that work rate, we would have got the the chockies. But um, I don't know. It's uh, I guess we'll see them later in the year, and we can um, we can have a rematch. Yeah, definitely. Hey Tom, you're a part of three flyings on the weekend with Ryan Pendlebury and Liam Whelan. Now, I've heard it on good authority that those two boys stayed on a teammate's couch, yet I was watching the vlog on the weekend. I was watching it yesterday, and it looked like you were in a five-star hotel. Tell us about that, mate. Are you, are you going above and beyond here and contributing, or you've got the five-star treatment by the Darwin Buffaloes Football Club? No, no, I don't. The, the, where, like I said, um, you know, with, with all clubs, you're always trying to save money, especially if you're flying in, you know, two or three blokes each week, and... Um, they said, you know, you can you can stay on the couch at um, one of the players, and I said, mate, I need uh, if I'm going to play well, I want to get my eight hours sleep. I want a good, comfortable I need bed. A limo to the so game. I need all this. Money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll happily spend the money on on going to a uh, going to a nice hotel and getting my getting my eight hours sleep so I can uh, maximise performance. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. If you're flying up, you want to play as be- uh, as best as you possibly can. You feel like that's your responsibility. So. Um, for me, it's whatever I can do to maximise that performance. Matt, you're an excellent footballer, and that's clearly your first love, but you have absolutely exploded on social media over the last couple of years. How did you come up with prime training and explain that journey? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one. I think that um, prime, train is, uh, prime training is, is more focused on training athletes um, and, and getting people out of the mindset of training uh, like a bodybuilder. Um, so instead of going and doing your squats, your deadlifts and bench press, it's more about focusing on, you know, movement patterns and things that are actually going to translate into sport. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have worked with, um, you know, people like Patrick Cripps and Tom Mitchell and, and those sort of boys um, over their pre-season to kind of help them out with more movement-based uh, patterns rather than kind of just focusing on lifting weights and that sort of stuff and, and seeing that translate into their game. Um, and for me, it's, it's all about uh, reducing injury risk um, and, and maximising performance as much as I possibly can. Bolchi, last question from us, and it's a bit of a two-parter here because we do need to get moving. But what is in the works for Prime Train? What do you have on the horizon? And also, if it's non-footy related, tell us about your football as well. I've always wondered, do you have ambitions to play at a higher level of football, like, say, in the VFL or potentially even further? Mm. And secondly, is your social media stuff too much of a distraction for some of these bigger clubs? Have you found that to be a hindrance when talking to clubs before? Mm. Yeah, great call. I think that with the footy stuff, mate, I'm I'm so stoked doing what I'm doing. I'm um, I'm I'm grateful for who I'm playing with, and, and yeah, very happy with the kind of journey that I'm on. I'm not 
not too interested. Uh, I played VFL previously last year, and it's kind of like now I've done it. Now I can kind of focus on you know other other things as well. And um, there's a lot of people that ask is social media a, a distraction for you. For me, it's uh, it, it's part and parcel. It's it's what I do with it. And I think sometimes I play better when the camera's on me because uh, it means that you have to actually get a kick. Yeah. <laughs> holds you accountable, doesn't it? Well, we're gonna go, Tommy. What's on first of the day, mate? Mate, I'm going for a running session now with a few boys, uh, but it's absolutely uh, raining cats and dogs here. So, and then I'm going to go uh, get a suit for Derby Day tomorrow. Awesome, thanks, Primey. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Love you, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, boys. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16:11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16:11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Robbie, we did the good, bad, and the ugly before, and my ugly is how the Crocs and the Buffs game ended. Obviously, we hate to see uh, injuries like that to a footballer, and player safety is absolutely paramount. There was a 36-minute delay which caused the game to be abandoned. Mm. Both teams split the points. It was probably a big call, but one of the games of the year shaping up, I think, because of the surprise. Districts obviously looked a little bit lackluster, but I think the interest was there. Districts had a really, really good team on paper. Buff started and probably played the best football they've played in, gee, what, 12 months or so. So it was such an intriguing second half lining up, and that, that shouldn't come into the decision-making process, but I'd like to see better protocols uh, surrounding those match abandons. Yeah, I was there to commentate that one, Clarky, and I was, yeah, you could feel the atmosphere was just building at the Oval, and, you know, everyone was back out there. Southern Districts has got, you know, a couple of goals. was two goals to one that quarter. Going to the scoring end, uh, yeah, I was a bit, I was disappointed with that outcome, and many people were in the crowd. What was the general vibe? Did you expect that the game would continue? Did you think that the players expected that? Yeah, no, that we, we thought it was going ahead, um, and then the umpires were speaking, and then, yeah, it was all of a sudden called off, and we were told in the media box it was going ahead. So, yeah, mm. disappointing. Well, very interesting. SEN Friday at the top end, 16.11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Rob, we've been talking about the good, bad, and ugly about the NTFL season, about the NTFL mm-hmm. round. We'll probably this most weeks, I reckon, make it a bit of a weekly occurrence. I've had my turn. I've said my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Uh, just to recap, the good was Kieran Parnell's tagging job on Stephen Motlop. The bad was Palmerston's start of the game against Waratah, which I think really cost them a bit of momentum and cost them the win, ultimately. And the ugly was a combination of factors surrounding the way the Southern Districts and Buffs game ended. Obviously, it was such an ugly incident. And on a serious note, we hate seeing that. We hate seeing a bloke lying motionless on the ground and the game delayed by 36 minutes. And also ugly in not so much the handling of the... NTFL because they have to follow rules. They have to follow protocols when it's something serious like this. But I'd like the whole process reviewed in a way. I'd like to see just some changes. But that's my rant. I would like yep. to hear your ugly. Yeah, well, my good first was um, how even the comp was. I'm pretty happy with how even it is. It's, um, you know, it's throwing up some curveballs every week. The bad, obviously, was being St. Mary's in their form. I can't, you know, see past that. The ugly is the concussions. Um, going through some of the history, Clarkie, of the uh, early on in the season, you know, like we had an incident with Mitch Musgrove, round two, right? So you, that's all on footage. You can watch that. So he got cleaned up pretty bad. Tristan Singlipo got two weeks, deservedly. But... Yeah, he ended up playing the next week. Couldn't even stand up, and it was very wobbly. Mm. So it's, I don't understand this concussion stuff. And then a week later, uh, Neville Jeddah and Trent Melville, I've heard people say that it should have been suspension because of the head 
you could choose the bump, but I couldn't see it on the footage that it could be. But Melville's now out for three weeks, and Jetta didn't look good and played the next week as well. So I, I don't know like how serious we're being about the uh, concussion stuff, considering the AFL come out yesterday and mentioned that, you know, saying about um, they apologised about underfunding and mm. some stuff about the studies that they conducted. So, yeah, it's, it's a real weird one for me, Clarky. I think it's interesting, Rob. Where do we go with this? So where's the responsibility? Is it at club doctor level at NTFL? Because let's face it, some clubs have doctors Mm. who are super qualified, have their own clinics and practices. Others have essentially glorified trainers and volunteers. Um, And and I mean that with all due respect because local clubs find it hard to find volunteers. But who makes a decision over something so serious such as this uh, concussion? For example, I've been concussed a couple of times. One time during a football game and Mm. I feel as though... So I got concussed just after halftime and ended up playing the rest of the game. And I knew straight away having had a bit of a history with concussions that I was definitely concussed. So football players will hide it just to to play out a game or, or play the following week. I know for a fact, I was honest, I'm, I take concussion very seriously. I'm really worried about CTE and those sort of yeah. effects. So as soon as that Monday rolled around, I told our trainers at the football club, hey, I've been concussed before. My symptoms are nearly exactly the same. Uh, and and they, we followed protocol from that point on. And I missed the following yeah. couple of weeks of football. But Rob, I'm not going to lie. If that was a grand final the following week and, and my selection was guaranteed and I knew I was going to line up and play in a grand final. Gee, it would have been very tempting to keep a secret from the trainers. So where does the responsibility lie? How, how is there a pathway forward? Yeah, I'm not too certain on that. I know that it is with the trainers, that the trainers do it. I think there needs to be more of a universal sort of understanding. If you go into Coach AFL, is the only document I've found, and it actually involved RAF with Jack Rewalt. <laughs> Apparently with the testing that, that Jack had done, Jack passed all the testing, yeah, right. but he got off from his vision. And if you see the vision, he was all very... test, crawl up the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> he was crawling up the stairs. That was the night now, and he ran into Raf. But um, it's very interesting because they talked to the club doctor. They talked to Dimmer Hardwick, and yeah, like, um, you know, it's it's. they said that he passed all the tests, but they ended up ruling him out because of the way his reaction was when he got knocked out and mm-hmm. how wobbly he was. He had to get carried off, um, and that's sort of like how concussion is. And, I, you know, like, I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a club doctor to realise that, you know, like Neville Jetta couldn't put his head straight mm. and Mitch Musgrave couldn't even stand up. So it's like yeah. they both played the following week. And Trent Melville's now with his head knocks out for three weeks. So that's where I sit with it at the moment. I was going to say that, Rob. Like, there's no exact science to concussion and how to determine it. I mean, there's concussion mm. tests and I'm sure doctors and those that create those tests will know more than me and, and I do not know what I'm talking about at the end of the day. But when I was concussed, a couple of times that I've been concussed, I've always felt that I could probably pass some kind of test. Like, cognitively, mm. I was thinking straight. I was thinking, like, oh, I'm concussed. I won't know how to get home and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was fine. Like, cognitively, it was okay. I just had a headache. It felt like um, my symptoms were like air pressure. It felt like my yep. head was just under, like, like you were three or four meters underwater or something permanently. Mm. Um, and something was definitely not right. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, um, I think it's really... Interesting. I think obviously, yeah, I think cool. in the first couple of years as it progresses, Rob, we're going to actually have to rely on, and it's very hard to say this, but rely on common sense and doing the right thing and, and that sort of thing with concussion because I reckon there's always going to be a way around it, especially in these first couple of years that if a player's concussed and needs to play a game the following week in local footy that they will play. 
Yeah, it's really hard with the CTE stuff, isn't it? Because that's all stuff that they can't really diagnose as much until someone's deceased. And I know, like, you know, I'm, I'm a bit soft myself, you know, like at times and just with illnesses as most men are. And you just like, I, I hate having a migraine or a headache. And you speak to people that have had a lot of concussions and that and they've constant migraines. I just don't know how your quality of life would be dealing with that. Oh, mate, you read about Paddy McCartan's story as well and the stuff mm. that he was going through and... I don't want to be a drama queen, but when I got my first concussion, I had post-concussion syndrome, and that mm. basically put me out for about three or four months, and it was my first yeah. ever concussion. And I swear to you, I thought that I was like a changed person, like a different person, because yeah. for those three or four months, I wasn't thinking... I was thinking straight, but I just felt like I was limited. I didn't feel like I had my same energy levels yeah. and, and thinking and that sort of stuff. Physically, I was buggered. If I even you know exerted any energy, I'd feel tired straight away. Yeah. So you're yeah. right, hey, concussion isn't is yeah, serious yeah. business. No, definitely. And yeah, no, I just don't... It's sort of like one of those things, if some clubs take it serious and some don't, I mean, where do you draw the line is my worry. When I coach you know, in the juniors and that, you have six, six, seven, or six blokes on the bench and six in Div 1 as well, Rezies. So, like, when someone did get a head knock, I always ruled them out. But in a, in a Premier League where there's higher stakes and you have weak sides in, like, I can see why clubs sort of have that pressure on players as well. And you've got to protect the player, though. Like, every player's going to want to play. Just ruling them out straight up would be, you know, the result. But there's no one really holding it to account, is there? So... It's nice, a very tricky one, Clarky. Nice discussion point, Robin. One I reckon that's quite courageous because there will be people listening to this saying, oh, how dare you accuse us, especially since uh, names were mentioned. But vision doesn't lie, does it, Rob? Yeah, well, it's all on tape. So, you you mean, you go have a look at the tape and just tell me what you think how these players reacted. I've never been knocked out. And I think I've, every time I've been hit, I've just got back up, never been dizzy. Not been I'm not trying to head on again. Yeah, <laughs> not trying to do like a moon. You know, like doing a wobbly leg. Like, come on. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it doesn't take a doctor, does it? So, anyway, let's see what happens. All right, Rob, one of my favourite segments now, the SEN Top End 10. We started it last week and, gee, we had, we had paparazzi camping outside the houses. Yeah, we had angry footballers sending private messages. Yeah, a few blokes want to get in there. There was a lot of discussion during the week about our SEN Top 10. And I'll tell you what, this week's even more controversial because we've made what five changes yeah five we've, changes we've had our first argument too we've had our first time where during the week we were like now nah, look i'm just i disagree with that one and you said the same so we, we did a bit of a rock paper scissors off and thought you're right you yep. make the call i'll go the other one so we've we've split that so it's going to be a very interesting list we've had a change at number one as well so yeah without just, further ado yeah i reckon it's justified too without further ado can you get into number 10 uh, number 10. So this is a guy that I really rate, Michael Bowden mm. from Southern District. So he had the uh, 19 disposals on the weekend, a full game of footy. Would have loved to have seen what oh, he, numbers he would have put up. 40. I mean, people do say he does take the kickouts, but he had the intercept marking and the runoff from halfback. He has, some players can kick a score on him, but he tallies that with 30 in goal assists and a lot of runoff plays. So Michael Bowden, number 10. He has a lot of strings to his bow, doesn't he? We were talking in the pre-show meeting, our very, very prestigious pre-show meeting yeah. uh, last night. Uh, about our best runners that we've ever run with. Yep. And we were talking to Jalen Clark. And for those who are familiar with Jalen Clark in the NTFL, he is the best runner I've ever run with. Just such a natural. I think he holds the 3K record at the NT Thunder or something like that. And I thought, yep. this is going to be interesting. I'm going to ask Jalen, the running king, who the best runners here has ever run with locally. And he said, for those interested, his former NT Thunder teammate, Chris Dunn, and also Michael Bowden. So Bowden's just that prototype player. I think he plays... Almost the most like an AFL player in, in the territory football where he has that intercept defending and, yeah. and can rebound well with his good skills and, and obviously plenty of run. Robbie, number nine. 
Uh, Ed Morris from Waratahs. I think I don't know. I don't think he's probably the best player at Tars, like, but he's just been the most consistent. Mm. And Waratahs are in that top three frame, and I think he holds his spot. He had another 22, 23 disposal game on the weekend, so that consistency is consistently putting up the numbers. So he deserves his spot at nine. Bit of a no-frills one at the moment, I think, Eddie Morris, where he's just doing his mm. job every week. Even round one, he had 29 touches, four goals, which looks like a brilliant game. Mm. But he did get a lot of those goals uh, yeah, late, which made it look on. really good. So he's definitely a very good player and certainly deserves his spot at number nine. Could potentially move up higher um, yep. should he play, yeah, continue his good run of football and continue hitting the scoreboard. Yep. Number eight is in... Yeah, number eight. Number eight. We had him out at the start of the week. Yeah. And we've seen his stats and he had 27. <laughs> so he comes back in. That's Sean Wilson. So he had a very good game against uh, Tiwi. Bombers, um, in, you know, so yeah, he had 27, so that's a pretty good game from him. We can maybe talk to him about that later on in the yeah. show. Yeah, he had a lot to say at the club on Saturday night when I was there with him, so let's see what he says on that. I yeah. think that might have been one of the conditions to get him in, wasn't it? I have to put him on the list. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, I thought he was going to be out, and he's, he actually thought he was out as well, so yeah, he's held his spot. Hey, we did have a debate, and I'm so sorry. Shawnee, you are a very, very good man. But I debated it. I said, no, this Sean has to be behind this guy. And yep. we, I eventually got my way. So number seven. Number seven's uh, Eric the Eel Guthrie. So Eric Guthrie, he's been putting up some good numbers. Um, you know, like a lot of people had him on, on our Facebook chat, two or three. But I can't see his form better than Baxter Mensch, nah. Stephen Motlop and Eddie Betts at the moment. Stop so, ruining your list, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think that'd be... Yeah, but, you know, his form hasn't been as good as those guys. But him and um, his other teammate, Sam Clahesi, as mm-hmm. well as another one who's creeping into the top ten, coming in outside that rank. So, yeah, Eric the Eel. They have a lot of midfield depth, Palmerston. Yep. And it, they're different players, Guthrie and Wilson. So it's not a matter of saying Guthrie's a better footballer than Wilson or vice versa. Uh-huh. I just think that Guthrie... Coming off a Nichols medal last year, you had that extra pressure coming in as a Nichols medalist in your first season after winning the medal. He's a tackling machine. He's averaged 20-plus touches and eight tackles per game. I think last year at Palmerston, he was like the main man, and obviously uh, the Nichols medalist proved that. But this year, as you said, they've got such a stacked midfield. They've got Clohesi, they've got Mench, they've got a bunch of other footballers that can run through there. He can sort of play just that, that tractor role, almost a bit like yeah. what Chris Williams was playing last year. So but, I think, yeah, very important well, me player. And you, but me and you both watched that game, and I thought Guthrie was the one that got him back in it. I thought he was Take, close to best on ground. He was, I thought he was best on, and then, you know, like we can only do what we do, and then you look mm. at the, the best players, and he got third behind yeah. Mench and Clohesi. So it's like, I thought when they were down in the dumps, he was the only one putting his head over it and got him back in going again so I would have had him best on just from doing that I agree number five and six is an interesting one we'll talk about it we had a disagreement about where they Mm. should go five or six Um, this is one where you got your way we decided (laughs) and number six though yeah, number six is uh, Dylan Lance. So it's hard to not... St. Mary's form's been bad, but mm. Dylan Lance really being really good in that midfield. And second most disposals, I think, right now in the league. So Averaging over 30. Averaging over 30. Um, he was a bit stiff missing out the first top 10, but he comes in now. High kick to handball ratio. And I think, not the criticism on Dylan Lance, but nobody is really saying that Dylan Lance is a incredibly... Look, I'm not going to say he's not a tough footballer, but mm. just because he's, he's not the biggest guy. He hasn't got a huge frame on him. He's not a bash and crash midfielder. No. He's more that running player with excellent skills. He's got a very high kick-to-handball ratio. I like the dynamic that he brings to a club like Saints, and I like a player like that in the NTFL. Yeah. Well, I, I think he only gets better once he gets another inside ball in there to help him out because um, he isn't that as good as inside as what you know others are. And I think he's had to do that grunt work this year. Yeah, his numbers aren't too bad, contested possessions yeah. and tackling this year. Yeah, and I think having someone else in there that can do that work and feed it out to him is a bit better. And you know, He is a back flanker, I think, naturally, but he's had to play on the ball. So, 
definitely a talented player. Number five is a guy that probably doesn't need much of an introduction and had the ball on a string on the weekend. Yeah, Brody Philo just comes straight in from five, which is a big jump coming from outside the top ten. How do you 10. justify that? Justify that by Nycliffe's form, um, and also he was on the outside, and I think... 45 touches. He's probably in the best three or four from in both their games, and he's been consistent without stepping out, and he sort of stepped out in the weekend and bang, straight up a 45-possession game, which Lant did as well against mm. Tiwi, we must remember. But Philo will need to hold his spot this week with a good game against Waratahs. There's no hiding that. So if Guthrie or Morris want to leapfrog Lant and Philo, they're going to have to go for 46, given there's a bit of a pattern here. Lant had his 44 against the Bombers. Well, that, yeah. Well, we're setting a benchmark there, aren't we? Like, we but there's, no, there's no feelings involved here. It's just no. all factual and stats. That's right. <laughs> Number four has moved up one spot. Yeah, Bradley, Bradley Stokes was pretty good on the weekend. Um, didn't have a high I, don't, I, can't, I didn't see the stats for that game. Um, I think he was around about second or third most for Bucks. Yeah, I just I think he held his own. His yeah. brother also is creeping around the mark as well yeah. and, and the prime. So, But Bradley Stokes, um, the only Buffalo player right now, and he's a great ball user. Number three. Number three is Eddie Betts. Eddie Betts continues to kick goals. Um, he kicked four or five on the weekend, didn't he? So like, he's leading the goal kicking, so... His forward work and forward craft is really elite. Has he been in Palmerston's top three influential players in just about every game this season? I think it's... Mm. We're, we're, we're stats people, Rob. We always check the stats and talk about that and, mm. and I think form our opinion a little bit on stats. Yep. And when you look at Clohesi and even a Wills and Guthrie and Mench and these guys at the top of the stat sheet, you sometimes forget about the actual impact that like Eddie Betts can have with 12 disposals and four goals. Yeah, exactly. And I think people got strung up on his goals previously, but he's, you know, goal assists, creating it for other players and all that stuff. It's He's a real standout and been in the best two or three and, you know, could have got best on-ground votes on the weekend. Who knows? Number two. Number two, Stephen Motlops. That tagging job, like you mentioned, is so he's dropped down good, one. Yeah, he's dropped down one, but that's because Mench played a really good game and Motlop got tagged out by the Wiz Parnell. Yeah, and we had a discussion during the week because we thought, look, we can't just... It's going to be a big call dropping Stephen Mollop from number one. Mm. So we said, I think there was a bit of a benchmark that we had when looking at the stats and talking about this. We said, the stats are going to be a determiner here because from the outside looking in, I thought Mench played a good game, but not an amazing game. I thought he was probably a top two, top three type player, or top four, top five maybe, uh, for Palmerston on the weekend, but not not, in, not as good as Guthrie and a couple of others there. Whereas Motlop, yeah. for example, I thought... It was pretty clear that he was well held by Parnell at the time, so I knew that yeah. wasn't one of his better games. Um, we looked at the stats. Motlop finished with 15 disposals, and our man who, I won't spoil it, but well, I will spoil it, Baxter Mench, who was at yeah, number just, one, finished yeah. with 30, and we, we thought that was just enough to place, place Stephen down a list. So let's talk about number one. Yeah, so Baxter Mench. So there was some questions about that selection I've heard during the week. But his numbers don't lie. We're not doing this on reputations. Mm. We're doing this on season form, rolling season form. Baxter Mench doesn't probably look like your Philo or your Dillian that looks mm. at classy, real classy state level, league type level. But he just accumulates the footy. And he's, no, he's the number one disposal player in the competition right now. He's a workhorse. I think it's a clear standout number one, um, Baxter Mench. 20 contested possessions too, and that is, mm. you hear that sometimes in the AFL, oh yeah, 20 contested possessions. I reckon without knowing, that would be one of the records in the NTFL of all time since they've done stats, 20 contested possessions. I know when yeah. blokes like Lant and Philo and these guys are getting huge numbers and that sort of stuff, their uncontested numbers are much yeah. higher, especially well, against teams like Tiwi when these guys are getting these big numbers. Well, Clarky, do you have him as a better midfielder than Guthrie and Clahisi right now? I'd like to see more of Clohesi. Yep. The limited form I have seen of him looks pretty classy. Uh, mm. 
Guthrie is a real grunt type. I think that he's an important player. But yep. if I had to pick one player from scratch over Mensch or Guthrie, I'd take Mensch clearly at the moment. Um, yep. It's so, pretty small sample size, but at this stage, that's, yeah. that's what I'd be going for. So who have we got outside that top 10 at the moment? So I'm thinking this is one that I tossed up to you during the week. I'm thinking Neville Jetta has to come into serious consideration very soon. Yep. He's been very good every time he's played for Palmerston. Fresh off 26 touches. Um, so Neville Jetta's one and another guy who I think has to start being looked at or two guys I'll add because you mentioned him before but your Nate Paredes and your Jared Stokes and these midfielders that have been here year after year that are starting to pick up and play some decent footy yeah that's definitely true um, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with any of those guys Elliot Chalmers it's be interesting to see how points go over on the islands and how he performs mm. obviously Matt Shannon and Matt Dennis did come out Matt Shannon I think struggled a bit on the weekend yeah. um, and Dennis need the three games to qualify prime trains on two games if he keeps playing yep, the prime train as well uh, Mitch Taylor's putting in some good form and actually they've actually playing him as, as a key back and mm. he was really good on Calder ran off and created as well so we have to put him right in the ballpark there Tiwi Bombers is there a player there that you're thinking there's a former AFL player that played for Gold Coast Suns and the Melbourne Demons who I reckon might be creeping up pretty, pretty soon. And that's Harley Bennell. 25 touches and 31 touches in his two games. So he doesn't quite meet the eligibility criteria. Mm. But I'll tell you what, if he plays this week and has a good one, he's going to come into serious consideration. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not too sure um, from Nycliffe and Tars who will come through there. Mm. I think Dill Collis is a watch for me. I think he's does put up good numbers, but he's only played the two good games. And against Buffalo's for whatever reason, don't know if he got injured, but he had six touches. So that's, you know, that's why he isn't creeped in yet either. They're yeah. clarky. Blokes like that go to water against Buffalo sometimes. But, <laughs> nah, nah, terrific, terrific footballer, Dale Collis. Definitely one of the better players in the comp in his position. That is a great list, mate. We do need to go to a break, and I do need to sign off and yep. teach a bunch of year three kids. We've got a math lesson coming up in about 10 minutes, so we'll see how that goes. No worries. SCN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to Top End SEN. Rain and Horn in the Top End, 16.11 a.m. Rain and Horn, Darwin, we will love your listing. So I'm going to go through, we've got a few things coming up for the next hour, guys. We've got the match of the round, which is Waratahs versus Nightcliff. Really exciting game, a top three game from last year's uh, season. The Warriors, you know, bouncing back as well from a close win on the weekend. And Nycliffe really starting to show their muscle. Got a pre uh, review of the games that went on last week, as well as a preview for the upcoming games, which are some very good games. Palmerston versus Wanderers tonight. Bombers versus Pints on the Islands. Nycliffe versus Tars. St. Mary's versus Crocs. We've got the great man Sean Wilson coming in as well to the studio. So Shawnee Willow will give us a pre preview and review of some stuff, and we'll talk to him about his football career thus far. Approach in his 200th game and got the little back pocket specialist Jimmy Arada coming in as well so um, Jimmy Arada will be calling in after this uh, after the news break as well but right now we'll go to my power rankings um, so we've, I've done with the ladder the way the ladder is now I've done a bit of a prediction about how it's going to unfold so at number 9 I've got the Tiwi Bombers I think they you know they were, they were good on the weekend with a 100 point loss and the pressure was sort of building they weren't as easy beats and if they didn't have the 11 10 or 11 blokes that come into the side like they really probably could have lost by 200 I've got 8 at Wanderers I think you know they're struggling a bit still Wanderers I think they're going to need some recruits for me to really change my mind on the Eagles 7 I've got St. Mary
Canaries at seven. I'm talking to Jacko. Jacko just had to leave, guys. But Jacko's got Saints still in the four or uh, four or five. I've got them at seven, but they have named a strong side this week. So if they do get up against Southern Districts this week, that'll put them back in that final calculation. But you know, yeah, I'm really struggling to see how they're going to go. And you know, their draw looks pretty tough when you lose to Pints and Wanderers. You know. And I've got Pints at six at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting coming in for this week's game against Tiwi. Very hostile territory over there. It's going to probably be 40 degrees, and you know it's going to be nothing like these Pints boys have experienced. So I'm looking forward to how they go with that. So the top five, Darwin Buffalo's at five at the moment, um, and with Palmerston Magpies at four. Both clubs, I'm not too sure on how their expectations are going to be. Um, I don't have a massive trust in both clubs on if they're going to be a full-season competitors, so that's where I've got those guys. But I think they both can make the top three as well. So the Buffalo's on the weekend, high pressure, high intensity, a very good game plan, plan to the conditions. I think that stood out to me. Well-coached side on the weekend, but that you know, sometimes they do drift in their best and their worst can be so different. Palmerston were very good on the weekend, another slow start, but I've got them at four now, so Josh Heath's done some miracles with that team. Southern Districts at three. Um, I still think they're going to be good, but they've got to sort out that forward line issue. There's a bit of an issue up forward there. Um, I think they might have Lee Williams coming. With Dennis out, um, Mazzini had to ruck on the weekend, which really left him short in that forward line. Uh, Waratahs at two. They're going to win enough games to be around the mark, aren't they? And the, winning that game on the weekend just helped solidify that. And Nycliffe. I'm big on the Tigers. I think um, they Yeah, I think Nycliffe just... They flexed their muscle on the weekend, and a lot of people. There was a lot of talk in the off season that Nycliffe were going to drop off, and I just, I, I thought they might, but maybe drop to second or third, but not to that, not any more than that. And I've got them as the number one at the moment. So, redoing the power rankings at the moment with the mixed ladder. I've got Nycliffe one, Tars two, Districts three, Palmy four, Buffs five, six Pints, seven Saints, eight Wanderers, and nine Tiwi Bombers. The biggest surprise there, I think, thinking about the start of the season would have to be I'd probably say Palmerston you know finishing second last very you know like they've been they've had a lot of talk the expectations now on them is, is high how are they going to deal with this expectation is my big thing they can't lose tomorrow night uh, tonight against Wanderers they really can't it's a very winnable game and if they're going to be the real deal the biggest surprise has to be St Mary's sitting one and three Worrying signs, but they have named a very strong lineup for uh, this tonight, uh, tomorrow night's game against Southern Districts, and they do have a tough draw going into the bye and then into Nightcliff, and I think they have Buffaloes and Palmerston, Palmerston with the Gary Ablett coming in, so that's going to be a really interesting match up there. So uh, we're just going to go to the news, guys, and uh, SEN Fridays in the top end, sixteen eleven a.m. Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN, Rain and Horn in the Top End, 16.11am, Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. I've got Jimmy Arata here, Jimmy, are you there mate? Uh, yep, sure am, how you doing Robbie? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, the back pocket specialist from the Waratah Football Club. Congratulations on your 100th uh, last week, mate. How was it? Uh, yeah, it was a um, really good experience. And obviously, you know, Tars got the win, so even better to um, top it off in a win. And 
also to um, celebrate with one of my best mates and the captain of the club, Brody Carroll. So, yeah, it was yeah. really good. Yeah, definitely. So, look, just a bit of background. It was a was a seven point win in the end for you guys. How was it in the rooms after the game with the coaching staff and the playing group? How did you uh, feel with that last quarter? Um, so obviously Palmerston came back, but we sort of expected that. So mm. in the rooms after the game, it was it was still a good feeling. You know, we were sort of happy with where we'd got ourselves in the position to sort of with withstand. Uh, come back like that. Obviously, Palmerston's a um, a very quality side, and we sort of expected them at some stage to really put the pressure on. So, you know, we're happy with our efforts in the first half more so, and then we we'll, were we'll, able to um, withstand the storm in the second half when they sort of surged, especially in that last quarter. Yeah. Um, how 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 long have you been in the NCFL, Jimmy? Can you tell us talk us through a bit of your hundred game journey with the Warriors? Well, so I'm a junior at TARS, so I've been playing a long time. I feel yeah. like a long time. might not be a long time for some people. <laughs> but um, I started playing Premier League in season 2014-2015. Um, so I was a young 17-year-old sort of playing 18s and got lucky enough to get a chance in the Prems and then sort of didn't take a backward step from there, it feels. Yeah. Great to hear, mate. And uh, you've been—you had a couple of really good matchups early on in the year. You took care of a couple of players. Um, round one uh, was—you had Holtz fits in round two, didn't you? And you kept him to one, was it? And then yeah, yeah. And then Roy George, Roy George got a hold of you a little bit in the Southern Districts game. Maybe the footy was coming in a bit quick. You're on him in stages. Who's your matchup this week against uh, Nycliffe? I've got that as the match of the round as well. The top end SEN match of the round. Um, we don't actually know just of yet. I have had quite a few good battles with, um, obviously, Holt Fitz when he was at Nightcliff and also um, Ryan Moo. But, yeah, we haven't yet discussed who we're going to um, match up against. But, you know, it's always a good battle against Nightcliff. They obviously are a quality side and have um, a lot of good quality players. And watching their matches so far this season, you know, they do have quite a potent um, forward line. Yeah, no holds fits as well, mate. So you won't have to worry about him this week. Who's uh, who's yeah, one of your favourite? Ma- yeah, who's one of your favourite matchups in the NTFL or, or toughest ones actually? Ooh, toughest. I'd have to say um, he, he's not playing anymore that I know of. But um, Michael Hagen, when he was playing for Nycliffe, I reckon yep. he's a um, <laughs> he's a hard matchup. Yeah, very very good player. Yeah, and what's one of your favourite memories made in the NTFL? Uh, probably beating Nightcliff to get into the grand final last year when Taz yep. did that was a pretty big highlight. Um, obviously, just playing my 100th game, I'll cherish that forever. You know, that was a really good memory. Um, and beating... Your and old club, St Mary's, by a hundred points. Yeah, definitely. Um, how was uh, how's the under eighteen boys going as well, mate? I know you're the coach of the 18s. I've been doing a bit of commentary for the 18s, and St Mary's have put together a couple of good wins. And I've seen that you guys have uh, since that St Mary's loss have looked pretty good. Yeah, so um, we lost in round one against St Mary's, which was a bit disappointing, but um, also a good reflection of where we sat. And since then, we've bounced back and gone the three next wins straight. So 
Um, we're sort of building, which is good. Um, we were quite a like we had quite a few new faces come in through the off season, so those players are starting to gel together now. And you know, we've got good player numbers as well, which really makes a big difference. Yep. Um, and so for you guys, for the Warriors, for the Prem side, who are your best three so far this season? Um, best three I have players. to say, I reckon, yeah, so Scotty Carlin across half-back, yep. and he's been rotating a bit through the midfield. Um, Brody Carroll, of course, he's been super consistent, um, you know, and he's a tackling machine and, and a great player, and... Um, Probably the third is um, Gil Collis as well, out of the yep. back line. He sort of yep. stepped up a lot for us, so yeah. A so bit no, no Eddie Morris line, there, but... mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's he's right up there as well. Honestly, it's hard to pick three. I could probably say ten, but yeah. obviously being biased. Yeah, I definitely think those guys have been very good as well. I think Ed Morris has been consistent this year and. He's made the SEN yeah. top end 10 as well. Thanks for uh, coming on today, Jimmy, mate. We'll uh, hopefully catch up for a beer Saturday. I'm commentating your game, so don't let me down, mate. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Robbie. We'll be good. Thanks, mate. Uh, so that was just Jimmy Arata there, Waratah back pocket special, lockdown specialist there. We've got a couple of reviews of the games to go, which, and we've got Shawnee Wilson coming into the office, which is going to be great. We've got a preview of the games of the round and the match of the round, Waratahs Nightcliff. We just spoke to Jimmy Arada, the back pocket master, and we'll have Sean Wilson coming in to discuss that as well. You're on SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am. Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Rain and Horn in the top end, 16-11. Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Right now we've got Shawnee Willow in the bloody uh, state in the studio here, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, a uh, bit, 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 bit of chaos, as, as was mentioned earlier. But look, yeah, um, yeah ha- happy to be on. Yeah, so we're going to preview the match of the round with Willow, talk about some of the results as well, mate. Reviews of the games on the weekend as well. So uh, just some women football results. Uh, your Tiger Girls went down to the Tiwi. I tipped Tiger Girls in that, lost by five points. St Mary's got the win over Wanderers with my sister-in-law, Dakisa Doherty Cole, running amok apparently, or so she told me. Waratahs beat Palmy, which is a consistent threat, uh, threat here. Pa- uh, Waratahs are stand outside. And Southern, uh, Southern Districts went down to Buffett's. I saw that last quarter and Buffett's kicked three goals to run home with it. Uh, Waratahs, Pints and Buffaloes are the top three, which, you know, could stay that top three. But Tiwi are sneaking up. Nyclef Southern Districts and St. Mary's, you're seeing a bit of a log jam there for that, uh, for that fourth and fifth spot. So, Willow, tell us about your year, mate. We just had another TikTok sensation, uh, Tommy Bolch, on here earlier. So it's good to get two of yous on at the same day, mate. Yeah, look, um, clear, clearly uh, Prime Train's uh, doing it doing it right. Um, and, 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 yeah, cert, cert, certainly uh, deserves the, the, the credit. He seems to have quite a strong um, following. And, um, look, just from an external um, point of view, he's, um, yeah, quite, quite well loved and, and quite a popular figure here in, in Darwin and, and at the Darwin Buffalo. So, no, uh, yeah. prop, prop, props to him. 
Yeah, I'm not too sure if you heard as well, mate, but we just interviewed him as well, and he was really good, like great content from him. Um, you retain your spot as well in the top 10, so you obviously got to be pretty wrapped with that. You know, it's a pretty you know, prestigious list. Yeah, pre- prestigious yeah. indeed. And um, that look, I mean, I um, pro- pro- probably feel a, a little underdone be- being yeah. in that list. But, um, yeah, look, we'll sort of just keep ticking along. Yeah, and it was good to see Philo back to form, wasn't it? 45 disposals. How has he been back in form? How did that lift the group? Oh, I, I think it's, um, you know, th- things that he does uh, on, on the track. Um, you know, he's, he's very vocal and he's, he's actually got a really, uh, he's quite switched on. He's got quite a footy brain. Um, and look, I, I think um, he's, he's one that um, always likes to respond after, you know, a performance that's probably not up to his standard. And, yeah. and look, clearly on, on the weekend, he, he, he was able to do that. Um, and, and also kicking a few goals um, sort of adds another... Um, you know, but both our um, arsenal yeah. in terms of having that that midfield forward option. Yeah, we'll just review a couple of the other games as well from the weekend. So Palmerston versus Waratahs. A few minor discipline issues for early for Palmerston, which is, you know, sort of played into Waratah's hands, gave away a few goals. Playing Gardens as well, as you guys would know, in your premiership here as well, you guys lost a lot of games there, and Waratah's very hard to beat there, but they needed to be a bit more direct, I thought, Waratah's uh, Palmerston, chipping the ball back in the corridor. Then When they get that foot in the launch pad, try to launch it in quicker and get quick ball movement in that forward 50, because I think the Achilles heel of, the, of Waratah's will be their slow backs, and I think some sides have exploited that, but if you give them time they'll all get back and defend as a team um you know they ended up getting the four points with another three minutes to go i think palmerston really could have won that game st mary's you know they looked they were a shadow of them former cells weren't they did you watch much of that game or have, have you watched it at all um look i i, I did um catch the um War- waratahs and palmerston game yep. um look st st mary's and wanderers um, sort of the early stages of that game, it was quarter, sort of heated at the start. But mm. um, you look, it's 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 you know you, you look at the Wanderers lineup on paper, and um, you know they're, they're they're certainly no easy beats, and they're yeah they're, they're proven over over the last few seasons that they're going to be a consistent threat if they can um, you know get their best team on the on the park, and they've got a style of footy that that's that's hard to match. Yeah, St. St. Mary's looked selfish at times, didn't they? Not given the hands, and they're not St. Mary's that you, you sort of come to expect. And Wanderers went with some good matchups. Mitch Taylor, two quarter, was a winner, a win, I think. And then, you know, Stephen Motlow got tagged out of it, as we spoke about it also. But it did look like a lower-level game, so both sides had a lot of players out. Bus versus Southern Districts. Southern Districts went into that strong favourites, and the gut feel was, you know, that they were going to just get the job done, weren't they? And they uh, struggled, And but, but it was credit to Buff's pressure in their game plan. So I think Buffaloes are going to be a side of quite them in my top five now off, off that performances early, mate. How do you see that game, like Buffaloes and Southern Districts? Oh, look, um, I think Buffaloes are quite well balanced if you look at it across the field. And, um, yeah, as, as you highlighted earlier, Southern Districts certainly went into, went into the game as favourites and, and rightfully so given their um, performances to date. But, um, look, when, you, when you've got... Um, Bolch and, and you know a very uh, handy inclusion in in, in, in Robbo Mitch Robinson, mm. um, you know that certainly would have would have got the Buffs players up and and like I said they've they've got a great um, you know mix of talls and 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 smalls and um, you know yeah it looked like they did did worry um, 
di- districts up into that un- 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 unfortunate incident where the um, Southern Districts player went down. Yeah, and just reviewing your game, Matt, I actually thought Tiwi were really good. I actually thought they were up and about energy. They did have, like, I heard a few murmurs in the crowd, which you hear, you know, like there was 11 non-Tiwis playing, which I brought up before, but it's it's what Tiwi need at the moment because you guys were clinical on the weekend and won by 94, but I thought Tiwi were good. If they didn't have those players, I think Tiwi lose by 200 points. Um, oh, look, the scoreboard, and it's, it's it, you know, it, it, a bit cliche, but the scoreboard certainly didn't reflect um, the match. Um, look, certainly those conditions were um, sort of tough to adjust to in the early stages. But um, look, they moved the ball well. Um, you know, they were very, very selfless, and and the um, and the non-TV players that they do have really do complement that group. And look, they're going to be better for the run. They 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 were confident, and and even when you're down by, um, you know, down by a significant margin. Um, at times in the games, it's, it's easy sort of just to throw the towel in, but it, mm. it certainly we, we had to work right to the end. Um, but, you know, and they're, they're the sort of they're the sort of team they're unpredictable, and if you give them a sniff, um, they can pile on goals quickly. So no, look, it's a credit to it's a credit to Toysy, um and 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 the players, um, you know, for for being able to hold hold their own and and you know put in some competitive performances in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So who who stood out for you for Tiwi? So there's one bloke that in particular that I thought stood out, but who, from your perspective, who did you think stood out? Yeah, oh, you know, I mean, ha- ha- Harley Bunnell's yeah, come, come there, and yeah, I <laughs> think that's say, say, say it in the obvious. But no, look, I mean, you know, when you've got a player of that class come, come in, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it certainly was no surprise that he, he was a player that, um, that that really sort of put the foot down and um, you know caused us issues. Very difficult matchup. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, and when you know he's got that conditioning of, of you know um, a number of seasons at the AFL level, so um, and I think just his presence is, is also uplifting the Tiwi players. Um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely Harley Bunnell's definitely um, he's on overliving on the islands as well at Mill mm. Carpety. Sen Fridays in the top end sixteen eleven Rain and Horn Darwin find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listening. 16.11am, Top End Radio. Shout out as well to Joseph Franklin out there listening. Hey, Joseph. Uh, Shawnee Willow, let's just talk a bit about what's going on in your life now. So I understand you are the vice captain of Nycliffe. You have been the older veteran now for a couple of seasons, coming over from to Nycliffe from Buffalo, what, five, six years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, touch on six, oh, six season now. Yeah. Yeah. So, how was that transition coming from Buffalo's initially? It is quite some time ago, but I, I actually had um, uh, probably close to two seasons. Yeah, probably a, a season and three thirds to be exact. But yeah, close to two seasons, um, sort of a, a break in between. And um, I guess at the time, football wasn't sort of really a, a priority. And yeah, and and once you sort of lose interest in. In, in a hobby or an activity, um, it, it's pretty, um, you know, pr- pretty pretty quickly to sort of, um, you know, lose that lose that motivation, and that's, I guess, that was my my situation at the time. I know players do. Mm. There is a bit of player player movement, but I think there's a, a story attached to, to each of those, and and there's you know motives and intent and intentions um, behind that. So I think mine was just yeah, sort of lost that that traction to, um, you know, want to play, want to train. Um, and yeah, sort of just kept my, myself busy um, in other forms. Yeah, and how, how's your personal life going, mate? So how, I've heard you got you got a very good job now in the government. How's that going? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I was pretty fortunate to to land a role um, with with NT Health. So I'm a yeah public sector servant, um, work, working um, Department of Health as a suicide prevention as a suicide prevention project officer. Oh, nice. 
Um, so essentially my day-to-day um, duties. So I, um, I, I assist, identify, um, implement and um, evaluate a range of suicide prevention activities and initiatives across the NT um, to meet organisational and, and service provider needs. And um, look, we know, um, I think without even working in this space, we've got um, you know qu- quite unique needs he- here in the Territory as opposed to um, other, other states around Australia. Um, so when there's you know, investment um, from, from a federal level and, and, and the drop down comes into the Northern Territory, you have to be really particular in your, 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 your planning, um, your strategic planning and how policies, um, you know, are rolled out um, yeah. to ensure that we're, you know, we're not, our programs aren't, you know, we're not funded or delivering on, on a population level because, um, yeah, just, just, just the challenges um, that we face here in the Territory. Yeah, well, it's a bit of an old thing, isn't it? Like with the stigma with mental health, um, men not being able to talk and that sort of stuff. Willow, like, what, what's your opinion on that? Has that stigma changed? Do you feel? Yeah, and look, it's uh, it's in my role. I think a lot of people do um, align my role. Um, like, to be honest, my role probably doesn't really sit in Department of Health, and that's just the direction that we're going in um, when we talk about suicide prevention. Um, it, it's not the responsibility of, of health services and organisations. Um, it, it requires um, a social-led responses, and it, it's it's the the slogan is it's it's everybody's business. Um, and responsibilities when we're talking about suicide prevention need to be managed across portfolios, um, across your department of social services, uh, across your department of education, you know, getting that awareness um, and, and, and addressing that, um, destigmatizing mental health. And, um, and there's even a main focus, a real focus on removing suicide prevention from the men- mental health space because it, it, yeah, there is going to be some overlap, mm-hmm. um, but the evidence tells us, and I really do work off what the evidence tells us, because without evidence, we're not going to be informed, um, you know, on how we're going to deliver um, initiatives that, that are going to be um, Im- implement preventative activities. And, and look, at the end of the day, yeah, re- reducing suicides is is um, is the number one goal. Um, but we've we've really started to identify that this needs to be led, um, yeah, you know, across um, across all departments. Yeah, well, I did work in uh, in the county ward as well, as you know, Willow, and that's at the highest, like higher end of mental health. But it is, it can become quite, you know, quite impactful on people's lives, can't it, mate? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. And and look, we we know that we know that. Um, yeah, me- mental health. You know, somebody that that that's suffering from depression, um, they're they're twenty times m- more likely to. Um, make it a suicide attempt it's um you know so certainly that that aspect of you know deteriorating mental health is is just going to elevate and increase that risk um and and we also know all the social determinants so we know that you know poor housing um lack of education and employment um you know relationship breakdowns um you know there's there's things that happen in life those situational crises um crisis points that 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 will elevate that risk um so by by all means um you know uh, having a you know a, a he- healthy mental health is is going to sort of go, go a long way to live a prosperous life but um but yeah we're sort of at a point now where we're really um looking at 
um, you know, the community ownership of, all right, you know, this is um, a major problem in, in, in the Territory. Um, you know, fi figures are sort of still at where they were um, five years ago, but we, we're really starting to see um, an impact on the, on the ground um, and we sort of just need to, um, you know, keep keep rolling our sleeves up and um, and working with, with those um, community groups on the ground. Yeah, I think I've probably, and you're no different, Will, I think there's probably been five to ten players I've played against that have, you know, committed suicide. So it is a massive issue in the top end, isn't it? So if it is affecting anyone out there, you know, mental health, just type in, um, you know... And you can type in mentalhealth.com on uh, in into Google there mental health NT and you can come up with great services there. Yeah, 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 and it's um and, and we know the 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 impact that sporting clubs play on an individual mm. and 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 as a collective, um, you know what our, our main focus is is that we actually roll out community grants. Uh, so the month of May um, is generally when we um, open those uh, that that round of grants up. We've been doing that for um, four four years now. Mm. Um, and and those grants, they're, they're small one-off grants, but we've we've actually shifted a focus now to working with sporting clubs, um, and, and being able to <clears throat> um, develop well-being frameworks to say or, or well-being plans, um, and, and that really does include um, uh, an emphasis on on training. Mm. Um, so we we have there's a number of um, training packages um, to in increase that awareness, but actually um, de de develop um, skills in, in, in suicide prevention or being able to, um, you know, have, have those conversations because it is, it's, it's often taboo and it's, it, it, it's, there's groups or, 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 or spaces or regions where you, if you introduce um, the, the term suicide, I mean, I've been living and breathing this world for about six months now, but it's, um, so for me, I, it, it's, um, it's not an easy topic, but it's certainly, I'm, I'm comfortable in, 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 in talking about it, talking to it. Um, but yeah, you, you can, you can see that people sort of do switch off and, and it can be quite, um, quite triggering, but now we're really tapping into um, sporting clubs ar around Darwin. To... Yeah, I, th I think yeah, I think the mm. sports clubs up here have dropped off that, haven't they? Like <clears throat> Anthony, my brother, and you were involved as well in stages with Headspace. Had really good initiatives as ambassadors at football clubs. I was an ambassador at St Mary's. I didn't feel as supported as I should have. And the moment there was a lurk and like a bit of word that Tom Boyd was, was going to want to come up and play because he's a Headspace advocate. A few people started talking to me then, so there was a, like it was an always an attached carrot. Um, and a mental health ambassador, I had my players have, I had let my players have a mental health day off. Um, so from training, so I did do that a couple of times, and I probably had five or six players use that. But a part of that was that you go for a walk, take your sibling for a walk, take your dog for a walk, or walk down to the beach or go for a bike ride. It's not sit on Netflix and watch Netflix. So it was a very strong sort of you know how we monitored that. So. Great work you're doing there, Willow, in that space, mate. So just a bit of previews on the matches. We've got Palmerston versus Wanderers. I've got Palmerston winning this. Palmerston are the real deal somewhat now They with the early season form. I don't know how you're seeing it, Willow. What's your thoughts on Palmerston after they did knock you off two weeks ago? Yeah, look, they, they played really well. And um, I, they had... They had uh, Camp Edison, so I'm a I'm a Roos supporter, so I'm I'm aware of who Camp Edison is. Mm. But um, they had him, I think, in the first um, couple of couple of rounds, and they didn't have him against us, um, and they were able to, I guess, change that game game style up because when you do have a a key forward, um, you know, one that's also got that AFL experience and 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 a real tall timber, it's um you've got that get out option, you've got someone to straighten you up. But they didn't mm. have him against us, and they were able to, um, yeah, sort of adapt to. 
um, not having him on the field, and they did move the ball around really, really well. Um, so we were just we were outplayed on the um, the day. We had our chances um, on the night, yeah. rather, but. Look, I think I think that yeah. home ground advantage is going to make a difference this year. I've still got his ranked number one at the moment in the comp. You're going to win enough games. And you're just too consistent to not be in the top three. Uh, I've got Palmy. You got Palmy? Uh, no, in saying that, look, I, I think Wanderers are going to take a lot Tim out. Wanderers. Of, uh, going to take a lot out of their um their their win last week against yep. Saints, and I think they're going to be better for the run. Um, yep. They've got a good local um, core group of players. Um, so look, I'm going to go against you, Robbie. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I think I think Wanderers, um, you know, I think Palmerston, they're, they're going to have a good season. They're, they've improved, but Wanderers have got that. Um, they're, they're they're more seasoned, and I think um, yeah, I think they're going to. Two, two uh, of your former clubs as well, Palmerston <laughs> and Wanderers. They got a few there, though. Yeah, yeah. Fighting, yeah. So uh, just after the break, guys, we're going to talk about the Bombers Pints game over on the island. So that'll be great for the community. We're going to delve into that Nightcliff Tars game and the St Mary's Crocs game as well. Sen Fridays in the top. 16.11am, Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back, Rain and Horn in the top end, 16.11am, Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. you got Rob Hale here with Shawnee Willow, so Shawnee, let's just talk about some previews of the matches, we just touched on Palmy Wanderers, I've got Palmy, you've got Wanderers, Bombers, Pints, how do you see this one going at, it's played on the islands, Majak Door probably playing. Yeah, and there you go. That's the draw card right there. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't, haven't, haven't had a look at the. I don't know how the teams are lining up. Um, but look, any, any time you play the Tiwi Bombers over on the islands, it's, it's a tricky assignment. Um, look, points are going to be up and about. Um, you know, but it's going to be um, a whole nother experience, a whole nother challenge for them. Mm. Um, so look, it, it's, it's a line ball one. Um, we got oh. Darley's come back in for Bombers after that almost 40 disposal game against Buffaloes as well. So, and big Mudjack up there. Like, what are you? Who are you tipping for that one? Yeah, yeah, and and, and the non-TV players off, offer a lot. So, um, look, I'm 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 actually going to go with Pints. I, I just think that they're going to go in with some confidence, but mm. it's going to be a really close game. Um, it could go either way, and and if those if those Tiwi guys can click and and be really upbeat with with the presence of of those um, experienced and high caliber players, um, you know the, the result could quite simply go their way. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Bombers at the moment, but I reckon it's a real line ball decision. I'd probably banner hit Bombers at the moment, but Pints are a very workmanlike side. If mm. they pair off to execute that game plan that Shannon Motlop's been playing, I think there's been a bit of talk that Shannon Motlop's just coaching the group that he has at his disposal, and that's mm. how I would almost coach Pints as well. And that's work wonders for him. It worked wonders against St. Mary's, highly accountable team. Mm. So it would not surprise, but I'm going to go Bombers just because of the island factor. Mm. It's probably going to be about 1,000 degrees on there out over <laughs> yeah. at, at New Year. So it's going to be the closest place to the sun it's going to feel like. So I've got the Bombers. So we're going against each other again here. So the match of the round, mate, your game, Nycliffe first Waratahs. Um... Two sides that are the, structurally the best structured sides, I feel. Southern District's had some good structures last week, but they sort of broke down in patches. But the way Ryan is coaches and the way Buxy coaches, they are the, probably both the best two defensive sides in the comp. Yeah, and that's something that we, we touch on, um, you know, every game, uh, upcoming mm. game against Waratahs. Um, you know, we, 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 we train, um, to, you know, to a particular style because we, we know that they're structured. We know that they're well-drilled. Um, they're really good um, by by foot, um, so there's certainly some aspects that that stand out that make them extremely damaging. Um, so, 
yeah. you know you can play other sides and 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 sort of work your way around it but yeah when when you're facing facing tars you sort of know what to expect um a well-drilled outfit that, that that's going to be mm. there um, and you, you factor in also other factors that you know you speak to afl on afl afl websites and analysis david king speaks about it how do you defend turnovers and scoring from turnovers and that's a big thing and i think nycliffe and War- War- waratahs are leaders in that way and some of the other clubs as you know mate like like some of the up-and-coming clubs palmas and those clubs they are very good at Defensively, but they're still improving that defensive aspect. That's why I've got them around that four to five mark. Um, Waratahs, I think, structurally do play that real control game. They ran out of steam in that last quarter last week, but you know they've done. Like Jimmy Arata said earlier, they've done the work early. How are you feeling about this game? Um, yeah, look, and that's going to be. Been, has there been some hype about it as well in the rooms? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think every every game with Waratahs, and even even during um, you know that 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 era of um, uh, um, a couple of a few premierships, um, Waratahs always troubled us, and it didn't matter where they were on the ladder. They just, um, especially at, at at Gardens, they certainly play that ground well. But they, yeah, that transition from defence to attack is something that they that they do really well. And for that to happen, you need you know all of your players to sort of sort of be on board with that with that game style. So. Um, you know, we know they're going to have a couple of um, couple, couple of players that are going to demand and warrant matchups. Yeah, um, so, definitely. Yeah, no, we're, we're extremely confident, though, going into this week, and especially at home. Yeah, I'd predict Jake Bowd would probably go to you. Who are you tipping in this one anyway, Willow? You going the Tars? Yeah. Oh, Bowdy. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad lad. Yeah. Um, wish he wouldn't go to me. But no, um, I, 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 well, you know, not Nycliffe, obviously. I think, I think we're yeah. really confident. But um, but look, it, it is going to be a, a, a quite yeah. a closely heated game and, and quite, quite a competitive game at that. So, yeah. Um, so I think yeah. I think Nycliffe as well. The Nycliffe I seen last week was very strong. Ball movement, just the pressure, the teamwork. I think you guys are starting to really gel really well as, you know, it's coming together. That uh, The last game of the round, mate, same. Mary's Crocs. I don't think anyone was expecting this drop-off from Saints. I'm saying they're not in the top five right now, and I'm sticking by that, um, calling it the early crow. Um, if they win this, they're back in the race again. But they've named a strong side, but so are Southern Districts. If, did you expect the St. Mary's drop-off, and do you think their finals chances are almost done now? Uh, not at all did I expect this. I think, um, you know, the expectation, uh, you know, Saints over the last few years, um, that was capped off by a premiership last season. And, you know, last last season they towed us up in the prelim. They, they mm, you know, they got, what, they got what they got. They got they got what they deserved, and, and we got what we deserved. Um, so, going into the season, you certainly look at St Mary's with admiration, and um, you know, it, it, yeah, there was the expectation that they'd be able to carry that. Um, some results haven't haven't gone their um, haven't gone their way. So, look, they're gonna they they, they need to really bounce back against districts. Um, it's it is you know early stages, but it's the biggest game of the year for them at the moment. Yeah, I've. I've I'm going the early crow on them missing out just because I think if you're going to make finals this year, you're going to have to probably go nine seven. If you really want to risk it, you've got to go eight eight, which really, which you know, means St Mary's are going to go, you know, something like seven wins or eight wins out of the next um, 11, 12 games, which is going to be really hard to do with how even the competition is, mate. Yeah, um, I'm tipping Crocs in that one. What's you know, how are you feeling? Yeah, again, it's a line ball, and I don't know if we're going to go against each other on this one. Um, I, I, I think, you know... Saints have Lockyer in, they've got Jellyman Turner in, they've got some good in, so, yeah... Yeah, I, I guess given that, I still yeah, I, I still haven't seen much of of their new new players that have come in, so I don't know how much of an impact that they'll make. Um, so look, I'm, I'm probably going to go Crocs on that on that point. 
Yeah. Um, but look, they're they're really great inclusions. I mean, those those, those players, um, yeah, firsthand. I, I they they gave us some troubles last season. Um, quality players. Um, I think it, you said a premiership player from last season thrown in there as well. So yeah. Um, I think Saints they're they're a proud club. They 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 know they need to bounce back. Um, in saying that, I I. I Think districts have got something going on there, so um, yeah. I yeah. don't. I don't think. I don't think any of these games this week, mate. I don't think five or six mm. goals might be the difference between both sides. Maybe that might be as much as it blows out because it is a really tight sh- final shaping matchups, mm. isn't it? St Mary's lose this, then geez, you, you, you're almost writing them off, aren't you? The SEN top end, mate. You featured in at number seven or eight. How's that feel? I know you said in the break that you thought you would be higher. You know, you thought you might be in the fours or fives, but you're gonna take eight, aren't you? You happy with that? <laughs> Hey, all right. I thought you were just going to be stationary and leave me at ten. No, no. Look, it's um, I, I, I guess so. Those any individual accolades, they're not, they're not possible without you know sort of the group you have around you. And um, you know, when 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 everybody's playing their role, um, you know, you oh, jeez, the cliches, mate. A bit, bit cliche. You got me on the spot here, knocking, knocking me up. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know what I've done to... Uh, <laughs> oh, Philo's in there now, over so he'll be happy on that one. Um, the concussion with Trent Melville, I touched on the concussion stuff and wasn't really... I don't think clubs are... Yeah, it's, it's a touchy one, isn't it? But how's Trent Melville going for after his incident? Um, look, look, Trent's track, tracking well, um, but it, it was, you know, quite clear... Um, it, Initially, it was straight after the um, straight after the clash that um, Trent wasn't coming back on, and um, I guess with with uh, with with those concussions, um, you, you sort of have to allow a bit of time to actually see how you know identify how severe um, how severe it is, and you know there's a, a range of different symptoms that can um, you know sort of sort of dictate and measure measure that. Um, we've taken the pre- precaution. Um, Trent was automatically um, scratched out of the following week. Um, he won't play. He won't play this week, and and look, you know, speak, speaking to Trent and checking in with him, he, he's doing he's doing well, but um, yeah. it's a serious issue, and and yeah, there, there's still some concerns um, around some of those symptoms that are occurring. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it will be it will be touch, touch and feel, and it would be a day by day um, sort of um, you know check check in with Trent. Yeah, and a massive shout out as well to Jackie Gal, uh, Saints one Div one enforcer. Um, so Willow, what's your plans for the weekend, mate? Oh, I look pretty, pretty low key. Um, get through the rest of the day. Um, so, yeah, we'll get through the rest of the day, and then um, obviously the preparation for um, for tomorrow's game. Um, so nothing, nothing planned for the weekend. We'll just um, a few let, Keithy let Urbans play. at the club uh, Saturday night. <laughs> you reckon? Maybe, um, maybe, maybe just a couple. If you come down again, if you, if you, yeah, make, yeah, your make, way sure you make sure you bring your wallet this time. Mate. <laughs> Uh, thanks, thanks, Shawnee Willow, for coming in for us there, mate. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am. Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.